Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm really excited to be here on this Pentecost Sunday with mm-hmm. Pastor Jim Minling. <laughs> Pastor Jim, how you doing? I'm great. I actually, this is this is uh, just after we I preach, so uh, my <laughs> voice may be a little raspy, but I'm pretty excited about the the sermon, and this will be fun to talk about it fresh after preaching. <laughs> yeah, you seem you seem for for having just preached, you do seem very high energy. I am, which is I am. And did you wear blue because it was Pentecost no, Sunday, or is no, that coincidence? No, I'm not. I'm not. That, I'm not that liturgical. Okay, but isn't blue the color for Pentecost? If I'm not mistaken, I'm not that liturgical. Okay, well, I, I know the color for Good Friday. <laughs> I know the good color for Easter, but I don't know it for Pentecost. That's what, all right. But let's just say yes, it's blue. I'm, that's why I'm wearing that's, blue oh, yeah, today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, I I uh, had a lot of fun listening to the sermon. I actually forgot we were going to be recording today. And so I was writing down all these notes. And then you mentioned, hey, we're going to be uh, saving this portion of the sermon for the podcast. I thought to myself, <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah, right. That's today. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I am really excited. I, I love, obviously, we've been sort of hinting at over the last several weeks, <clears throat> conversations about the Holy Spirit. And uh, these conversations are so key to the life of, and ministry of Jesus, as we're seeing. That's that's what Luke is bringing out for us. But they're also so key for the life and the ministry of every follower of Jesus, which I was hope, your big idea I, today. Yeah, I hope that people get that. Yeah, you know, this is not just a historical study of Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there was there was something we mentioned on the podcast last week that I heard that came out in your sermon, which is that it's so important for us to be able to see Jesus as our example in mm-hmm. this, because just like we've said, um, this is something that we can emulate. Yeah. It's a way of life that we want to adopt. And so last week we talked about confusion about the Holy Spirit. And then this week you mentioned some streams of the church that are different than you know what we would consider ourselves at Open Door. So you talked about uh, Pentecostal churches. Mm-hmm. You talked about charismatic churches. Mm-hmm. So I wondered just to kick our time off, if okay. you wanted to speak a little bit more into that, what's going on with Pentecostalism or the charismatic movement in general? And how does that compare to mm. what you said in your sermon is more uh, what the terms literally mean or literally yeah. refer to, which we love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we could talk about that for the whole podcast, but I, I don't want to, but um so modern day Pentecostalism usually gets uh, connected back to the Azusa uh, Street Revival in um, California um, uh, in the 1800s, and um, a guy named Charles Parham mm-hmm. um, was um, praying and uh, seeking God, and he received this gift of speaking in tongues and it was a very emotional moment and um and this kind of started this this uh this revival service and it was completely unplanned and the holy spirit just began to move in powerful ways and very dramatic and emotional ways and so mm. because of that pentecostalism um from the from that day on really became associated with a lot of emotion and a lot of emotionalism and um but that, of course throughout church history you know there's been people who have read acts chapter 2 
the day of Pentecost. And that's a very emotional thing. You know, there's this wind, there's this fire, people are all filled with the spirit. And, the, and it says in, the, in Acts, they thought they were drunk. So, I mean, they, they must've been carrying on yeah. and it says they were praising God. So you have 120 people raising their voice, praying, all excited. It's loud. You know, I, you've been to Jerusalem. So as mm-hmm. I, so have I, as a, as a stereotypical r- rule, Jewish people tend to be loud and boisterous. I know it's a stereotype, but I, it's not, it's not hard for me to imagine that them pouring out of the upper room into the streets and it's loud and everybody's, what is going on? So a lot of emotion, <laughs> a lot of drama. And of course, Peter says, no, 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 these guys aren't drunk as you suppose. It's nine o'clock in the morning, you know? <laughs> so we know what time it was. Holy Spirit moves at nine, not, right. at, yeah. not at 11. That's why we have a nine o'clock service, <laughs> right? <That's... laughs> and so, um, but so, you know, did, did you see these marks of emotionalness of course, there's a difference between emotional, being emotional and emotionalism. Right. Typically, when we talk about emotionalism, we mean it's all emotion and there's no substance. That's not what we mean uh, when we talk about charismatic and a Pentecostal. In their truest sense, they're not emotionalism, but a lot of their practices become emotionalism. Mm. So, again, um, you know, you have that Pentecostal move in Acts 2. And then throughout church history, one of the most famous is called the Montanists. Mm-hmm. And they were um, a group of people who followed a man named Montanus, <laughs> like Calvinists, Lutherans, Wesleyans, right? Yep. Um, and there's another group called Christians. Followed they followed Jesus, and so um, they historically apparently had a lot of speaking in tongues, a mm-hmm. lot of emotion, a lot of drama. So, so you know, it's the, the, the modern day Pentecostal movement is not the, it's not there hasn't been a gap from Acts two until now. There's been kind of movements throughout church history, but they're right. almost always um, fringe. Uh, it's not until I would say the last hundred years that Pentecostalism has moved into mainstream. And when I say mainstream, like if you go to Africa and South America, you know, Amer- North America's conservative evangelicalism is very, very, very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Most of the Christians are Pentecostals and Charismatics in Southern America, South America today. Yeah. That's mainstream South America. And so, so again, we should probably also define between Pentecostal and Charismatic because they are different. Right. Um, um, Pentecostal is focusing on the work of the Spirit, the uh, cleansing of the Spirit, the um, baptism of the Spirit, the emotions that the Spirit produces, and the gifts of the Spirit, whereas charismatic tends to focus mostly on the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So they, they overlap a little bit, but they get their word char- charismatic from the Greek word charisma, right. which just means gift. Um, so there's the, the word doron is is referred to a gift and the word charisma or charisma is the gift like the gift of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit mm-hmm. a charism is another word that's it's a grace gift so charismatics oddly enough are not grace focused people they're <laughs> gift focused people yeah uh and they're and they especially emphasize everybody uh, has multiple gifts some charismatics say that everybody has all the gifts mm. Another overlap is that many charismatic and Pentecostals would say that the mark of the Spirit is uh, the gifts of the Spirit, and oftentimes specifically speaking in tongues. Right. Uh, whereas 
you know, you and I would say that the mark of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, and especially the first fruit, love. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, oftentimes I'll say another mark of the Spirit is serving people in love. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because um, I don't see any, you know, especially Paul, I don't see any place where he says that the mark of the Spirit is the gifts. Yeah. You know, he only wrote about it to the Corinthians because the church in Corinth was struggling with it and there was excess. I don't think he was writing it because this is a major point. He was trying to to deal with the excesses that were going. And, right. And Paul makes it real clear that love is more important than any gift. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the greatest of these is love. Pursue the most excellent way, love. So, so you know, churches like the Assembly of God, we would call them Pentecostal. Now, the Pentecostal Holiness Church, obviously, uh, Pentecostal. Um, there's a Pentecostal de- denomination, and where most, a lot of uh, charismatic churches tend to be non-denominational, independent churches. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if that brief sketch helps, but... No, yeah, it does. <laughs> and And... And then to maybe one one last turn, and then we can we can move forward. But like for for those of us who come to Church of the Open Door, we're a non denominational church, mm-hmm. and so sometimes people wonder, you know, where do we fit in amongst yeah. these different streams mm-hmm. or denominations? And because Pentecostal is a broad term, it's sort of you know when you're in ge- geometry class, you learn lots of different ways to classify shapes. So a square is a quadrilateral, but a quadrilateral is you know a rectangle is also a quadrilateral, right. four sides. And so you've got all these different ways of categorizing and talking about the church can be really uh, confusing to people if you don't have a chart in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And so um, amongst independent churches, that that it, it can become even more difficult to pin down. Uh, so. You know, you you said we're not necessarily charismatic or Pentecostal in the way that people typically think about the words. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to speak any more about that? Like where where we yeah generally land? Yeah, you know, we are. I I especially, and since I've been been here leading for twenty years, um, you know, I'm very open to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I I actually got kicked out of a denomination because I was too open to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I, I wasn't in excess. I just wanted to be, I want to be a spirit led, spirit filled person right? because Jesus was. And so, you know, we, we, uh, focus on the, the Holy Spirit's work. And when, when we're talking about interpreting scripture, we're very spirit focused. Again, as I said today, the, the, the Bible is the work of the spirit. He mm. inspired to be written. He illuminates it. He helps us interpret it. It is a work of the spirit, you yeah. know? And so I'm very intentional and focused on Holy Spirit. Open this text to me. Open my eyes. So, you know, I, I'm in a real stream of charismatic and Pentecostal in that I'm so spirit focused. Right, right. Um, but um, my understanding of the Holy Spirit is that he's always pointing us to Jesus, so I think anytime you make the Holy Spirit the central focus, then you I think you've actually gotten out of mainstream Orthodox Christianity. Mm. Uh, Frederick Dale Bruner, one of the theologians uh, who wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, calls the Holy Spirit the shy member of the Trinity, <laughs> uh, and because you never see him yeah. focusing on him. So he's pointing to the Father and he's pointing to the Son. That's his unique work. And so if I am being led by the Spirit, I should be a very Jesus-centric person. Yeah. And so 
and I think any Jesus focused person will eventually come to to the understanding that, that that's what the Spirit's given for is to help us become like Jesus. Yeah, and so, <laughs> I feel like you're already uh, betraying some of the conversation we'll have later, which is how can I tell when I'm being led by uh, the Spirit, uh-huh. or how can I discern the Spirit's voice amongst other voices? In, indeed. And uh, but before we get there, I wanted to add, <laughs> add one more question. You you were talking about emotion versus emotionalism with right. the charismatic circles. And in your sermon today, I, I noticed this theme that kept coming up about sort of the daily practices versus the exceptional mm. or uh, I'm trying to sensational, sensational moments yeah. with the spirit. Mm-hmm. And you were at length to say that Jesus was led. Yes, there were sensational moments mm-hmm. where the spirit is moving in power as he's healing people and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah. But... Jesus was walking with the spirit in the mundane, in the daily. Um, and, and so I think one, one question I, that I personally can ask when I hear those sorts of, that sort of language is, is there anything wrong with the emotion? Is there anything wrong with the sensational moments? Mm-hmm. You know, should we, because of course there are other streams of the church, other, other, uh, branches of the church who would say, yeah, you you want to be suspicious of emotion, right? You want to become suspicious of sensation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bring us into that a little bit. Sure. Is there something wrong with spectacular moments of spirit led, um, ministry? You know, no, as long as that's not what we're seeking. And you, you almost use sensationalism as a synonym of emotionalism, mm-hmm. um, or, or emotions, and of course, which I wouldn't. Sure. So back to the original question: emotions are are part of what it means to be made in the image of God. Mm. You know, we have we have we're rational, we're volitional. That means our will. We're emotional, we're intellectual. You know, so we're social, we're spiritual. So emotions are really really important to understand. And this is one of the things that's so beautiful about a simple verse like John. Is it thirteen thirty five? No, it's sixteen thirty five. Where it says, no, it's not, it's not either way. It's 11.35, where it's sent the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. That's mm-hmm. uh, a powerful verse because there's Jesus weeping, not just tearing up, but weeping. So if emotions are bad, as some people might want to say or have said, then why was Jesus weeping, you know, showing great emotion? And, and, and when he's praying in the Garden of, Garden of Gethsemane, he's emoting and, and praying in such a way that he's you know, sweating great drops of blood. You know, this mm-hmm. is a lot of emotion in Jesus. And so, no, emotions are part of what it means to be made in the image of God. God is emotional. And that is that he emits emotion. You know, he expresses emotion. He mm-hmm. expresses anger. Yeah. He expresses joy. He expresses, uh, you know, great passion. And so uh, there's, there, there is a absolute a need for a person to be in touch with their emotions. And in fact, there's a whole stream of books that are being written now by and prompted by a guy named um, uh, New Life Church in, in New York. Uh, Pete Scazzaro. Pete Scazzaro, who mm-hmm. introduced, I think, the first time the emotionally healthy Christian, emotionally healthy disciple, emotionally healthy church. Yeah. Um, and his whole point is we have swung so far away from the uh, recognizing that emotions are a, hel- a part of us that, you know, we've uh, ignored emotions. Mm. And he claims you can't be a healthy Christian disciple person if you're not in touch with your emotions and appropriately 
expressing your emotions. Mm, yeah. um, we've talked about this book, The Cry of the Soul by Dan Allender. Mm-hmm. He makes the, a very similar point. And so, you know, what happened was that James Dobson, a famous psychologist, wrote a book called Emotions, Can You Trust Them? Mm. And he basically turned emotions into a villain. You know, all Dobson was trying to say is don't don't be emotionalist. Don't be don't fall into emotionalism. Don't live your life leaning on and trusting your emotions. But he wasn't trying to say ignore your emotions, right? You know, depress your emotions, stuff your emotions. But we swing. We you know we we are people who swing the pendulum, and so we swing away from you know this idea of feeling emotions. And I, I think also there's a, a stream of conservative Christianity, especially like a Puritan stream, some Reform streams, mm-hmm. and some Presbyterian streams that almost elevate a non-emotional approach. Yeah, to sto- a stoic life. So right. stoic, mm-hmm. so non-emotional. And it's almost like become like a uh, a watchword for them, yeah. just like we talk about Pentecostals as being emotionalists, you mm-hmm. know, they, the other extreme. So, no, our emotions are good. They're healthy. They can indicate something about our life. Uh, we should listen to them. We should pay attention to them, but we shouldn't lean on them or make our, our decisions only on emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we... Uh, we talk about the difference between emotions and emotionalism. That's what emotionalism is, is I'm, I'm uh, putting all the eggs in that basket. I'm making decisions based only how I feel. Yeah. And when it comes to the spiritual life, I'm saying, if I'm not emotional, then I'm not spirit led. Mm. That's emotionalism. Yeah. Your emotions are real, but you know, think this is true for your life and my life. And I think every healthy Christian, sometimes my emotions are more, a uh, indicator of the fact that I'm tired mm-hmm. or I'm stressed <laughs> or I'm hungry yeah. than I'm spiritual or mm-hmm. that I'm dead sp- spiritually. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm tired. And so I'm not going to be as emotional or because I'm tired, I might be extra emotional. I might cry easily because I'm just so tired. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, we have to be careful about judging people yeah. just on their emotions and especially judging a person's spiritual condition or spiritual maturity absolutely based upon whether they have a lot of emotion or don't have any yeah and i think i think part of the blessing i hope of this of this clarification is that it frees us from missing <laughs> the work of the spirit yeah. in so-called mundane moments yeah yeah oh, boy that that if there's i mean there's a i learned a lot during my four years in in school but one of the main things that I wrestled through mm. was this single thing of can can God be at work in mundane ways mm-hmm. and can God be at work if I'm not feeling it? Mm-hmm. That was such that question destroyed me <laughs> because I wanted so badly to have these emotional experiences of intimacy with God mm-hmm. and I couldn't make them happen. <laughs> Pray as I might, and you know, they, study as I might. They're exciting and you want them. Right. But and, you, yeah, you're right. You can't make them happen. Yeah. And I, but I remember the times when they did happen and they were wonderful and they were beautiful. Yet I, uh, I fell into the trap of discounting mm. ordinary conviction, ordinary grace, ordinary moments of learning and teaching. I mean, I was growing so much mm-hmm. in that time 
And yet I uh, was at risk of discounting it because it wasn't this spectacular thing <laughs> it, or so it seemed to me at, at that time. Yeah. But, but one fun thing, I would routinely stay up really late at night and it became a little bit of like a meme between me and my close friends who I would sit with at chapel because if I was staying out studying the night before until two in the morning, three in the morning, whatever was getting preached in chapel the next day would hit me so hard. So back to your, so you, I mean, you'd be crying. Oh, I would weeping. be in, oh, in tears. I would be like waiting in crying line to shake so hands. With this. Oh man. It Look was, at the spirits moving on him. It was so funny. I, and I, yeah, I would just become so overly emotional. And then I would, yeah, it was, it and of course, was really funny. And of course, the spirit may have been working on you and you may have been really connected. Yeah. So we have to just avoid the extremes, you know, just right. because he's Clay's crying means he's deeply spiritually moved. No, he could just be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking care of my body. And so I'm vulnerable. Well, and this happens in preacher world mm -hmm. where we put such an emphasis on the emotionalism of the Holy Spirit. It feels so good. I mean, it does. It feels good to be an exciting, mm -hmm. unemotional service where people are saying amen and people are crying and people are shouting. That is exciting. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the mark of the spirit right. and what we must never do is try to package that absolutely try to reproduce that you know and so sing just the right songs with just the right drum you know build and and do all these things as if we're trying to prime the pump to get the spirit moving and a lot of churches and a lot of services fall into that trap and and i think part of it is because as you were saying we don't appreciate the more mundane the more um quiet move of the spirit and we we want that excitement and i do too i want yeah, that excitement absolutely but that we have we are in danger of right. of trying to um control the mm -hmm. holy spirit and that's that's actually scary yeah and it's and again it's not that an emotional response is bad right. but if you ask any discipleship oriented preacher would you rather have someone have an emotional response on sunday or practice what you heard <laughs> monday through saturday absolutely practice every discipleship oriented preacher yes. is going to say no they i would much rather them live it out and me have no idea amen because it's not about us feeling validated. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not about playing the crowd. It's about yeah. trying point. to help people take their steps. So f for this week, what we're hoping is that people are going to be listening to the Holy Spirit and that they're going to be practicing what it means to be led by the Spirit mm -hmm. as, as, we, yeah. as we learned. But that raises a really good question that you mentioned in the sermon with reference to this podcast, mm. which is, as I'm listening, as, as I'm reading scripture and I'm asking, all right, Lord, what does this mean? Spirit, would you guide me in this? There are more than one voice at play. And I'm not, I'm not talking in like a um, mentally unwell kind of way where there's, you know, you're hearing lots of different voices. Right. And yet we have the voice of the culture. We have the voice of ourselves, you know, our own inner voice. We have the voice of the spirit. We have the voice of the enemy. Mm -hmm. So there are, in a sense, many voices yes. at play. Oh, yes. So how do we discern mm. as we're listening, what's the voice of the spirit that we would then follow and, and be led by? And what's the voice of you know, some other voice that we should not listen to? I have no idea. Clay. Oh, well, that's going to be really disappointing <laughs> to a lot, of, a lot of people. It was bait and switch. I have nothing to say. I was only said that in the sermon to get people to listen to the cutting room floor podcast. There you go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> 
Yeah, so there, there is, fortunately, um, a, a, a lot of really helpful uh, stories in the Bible. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of very helpful, we might call principles, yeah. uh, that we can employ to help us figure out, um, you know, whether this is the voice of the Holy Spirit I'm hearing or whether this is the pizza I ate last night, you know, and I'm just really worked up, or or whether it's my emotions, or mm-hmm. or whether it's, um, you know, God forbid, but does happen, uh, the devil himself, yeah. who we just saw from Luke chapter one before, that the devil quotes the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, we used to be able to just, before we were mature and didn't understand, well, if it's the Bible, then we know it must be true. That sounds good, but not necessarily, because the, the the devil quotes the Bible. Yeah. But let's start there. That is the, the cleanest, the purest, the most dependable way for us to test. You know, John says in First John, test the spirits to see if they are God. It's plural. Just as you said, there's multiple different kinds of spirits. So we test the spirit, and one of the, the most um, the foundational ways is to say, does this line up with Scripture? Right. Is this feeling that I have, this prompting that I'm getting in my spirit, this strong impression that I feel like I should do this, um, does it line up with Scripture? Mm-hmm. And, and then when I say that, I don't mean... You know, is there an exact verse in the Bible that says, you know, this describing the situation I'm in right now? But, you know, if a, you know, this, this has happened. If people have said a boyfriend and a girlfriend in love with each other, and I just, you know, feel so in love with you. And, you know, I, I feel like God wants us to be together and, you know, an immature, um, romantic, um, self-centered young man may try to say, well, you know, God wants us to be together. And, you know, the, the, the way to express it is sexually. Mm-hmm. And so, sweetheart, you know, we're just boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, I want to I want to have sex with you. Right. And this happens. Mm-hmm. And the girl needs to know, or if it's vice versa, the girl who's really coming on to the guy no, the Bible clearly warns us, no matter how you feel, no matter mm-hmm. how much in love you are, yeah. and actually it's more your hormones you know, than it is, it's, it's a chemical thing more than it is real love, because mm-hmm. if it was real love, you would wait. But, you know, this gets happened. Or, or let's use some other example. I feel very strongly I should do this, emphasis on feel, but the Bible warns us, do not do that, or, you know, do not give in to that. And so we look for scripture and with the scripture very clear that I'm not to say this, I'm not to do this. You know, I'm not, it's not okay to lie. It's not okay to steal. The Bible makes it really clear. Thou shalt not, you know, I mean, the King James, thou shalt not steal, you know, or covet <laughs> right. or, you know, any other of those things. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> am, am what I'm feeling, is what I'm feeling contradicting scripture? Uh, we can also use this when we're listening to a preacher or a podcast or reading a book. You know, uh, it does this teaching line up with Scripture. And, you know, that's the strongest and the clearest witness that we have, the witness of the Scripture. And uh, I have done this multiple times. Um, I hear a very persuasive preacher, and he's making a point that sounds, you know, it's got some Bible verses in there and he's got some great stories and, and he quotes another Bible verse and this just sounds so good. But then I think to myself, that, yeah, but that contradicts what 
it says in you know Acts chapter twenty or you know Galatians chapter five. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our first test. Um, does it contradict um, some clear teaching of Scripture? Yeah, and one of the reasons I think this is so helpful is because just as you're saying uh, in your sermon when we're listening to God, when we're talking with God, it's a marriage of prayer and Good. scripture engagement, yeah. Yeah. You know, engaging with the Bible. Uh, and, and one of the easiest ways to, I think, go south with our engagement with the spirit is to divorce it from the mm. clear teaching of scripture. Yes. So as no I mean, I, doubt, that's excellent. And so it's, uh, when we think about intimacy with God, one of my, probably an idol in my life is feeling things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want so badly to feel stuff all the time. <laughs> and and I, that, I, I've already said that How that's something I struggle right now, with. Clay? I feel alive right now. <laughs> but um, the, uh, I, I need to temper that mm. by saying it's not about chasing after a feeling. I can, I can rest in the, the clear revelation of scripture yeah. and my intimacy with God does not have to take the shape of these wild feelings. Mm-hmm. It can take the shape of a quiet, gentle, consistent yeah. engagement with the Bible. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I, so it's, I actually think um, that there, as a person matures, mm-hmm. I, I believe that God will sometimes withdraw a sense of his presence. Mm-hmm. He hasn't withdrawn his presence. He's withdrawn a sense of his presence. Maybe the emotions, the the, the, the feel, you know, I'm feeling his presence. I think he sometimes will withdraw that feeling from a maturing Christian to find out, is that Christian just living for the feelings, just living for the gifts that God gives, living for the emotion, mm. or is he living by faith? And so he withdraw that feeling or that sense to teach us we don't live by feeling we don't live by sight we live by faith in the word of god amen yeah and so i love god for who he is not for what he gives yes whether that gift is a is you know emotions or a feeling or a, a relationship or a person or money or insight into scripture you know I love and I worship and pursue God for who he is, mm-hmm. not for what he gives. And that, and that, of course, is one of the great lessons that God was trying to teach Israel in the wilderness yes. as they were wandering after the Exodus. Yes. And that's one of the great uh, lessons that we, we learn in those moments as well, is that dependence Hopefully. on God. Hopefully, yes. Uh, yeah. Some, if you want to, uh, Pete Scazzaro, who we mentioned earlier, Pete Scazzaro is his name, um, he he sometimes writes about the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. So if you go on his emotionally healthy podcast and go back like a year and a half, he has podcasts where he'll talk about this idea of the dark night of the soul, and it's just like your. Mm-hmm. It can be just like what you're describing, this withdrawing of that sense of his presence, which is an echo of the famous book by Saint John of the Cross, right? By the same title, the dark night of the soul. Yes, such a just an insightful phrase. You right. know, that man walked with God in some deep you know, deep valleys, but God did something amazing things in his life. And we still, you know, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. We still use that phrase all these years later. Yep. That's a, that's a phrase that Christians use the dark night of the soul. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So, so suffice it to say, we can uh, test the spirit or test this voice against scripture, right? Because God has clearly revealed himself in many ways in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a great test. So another one, um, would be the test of godly wisdom. 
And so um, this actually gets back to a question you were, to you were asking earlier, and that is, does God, we, I never actually answered it because we got off on other things. Does the Holy Spirit only leave and lead in active ways, or does He also lead in passive ways? Mm. And you know, the answer is both. Yeah, he he absolutely is leading us in very active ways. He's he's prompting us. Romans eight says the Holy Spirit prompts in us the words Abba Father. Yeah, you know, so he prompts a prayer. He he puts that that prayer into our mind. He prompts that. That's that's the active leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, in Acts chapter eight, the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and said, "Take this road." Mm-hmm. That's an active uh, uh, leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Luke four one, the the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. You know the active leading of the Holy Spirit. All kinds of Bible verses that point mm-hmm. out that. Yeah. But then there's the more passive, where it's not as active, but every bit is real. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the examples of this, is this godly wisdom. So yeah. you know, as I read the Bible and as I grow in my faith and as I um, you know, talk to other people, read books, you know, just as experience, as I grow in maturity, hopefully I grow in wisdom. And wisdom is a work of the Spirit, it's a mark of the Spirit. And um, and I gain a godly wisdom that, that witnesses to my spirit, you know, Jim, that's a bad idea. And not because the Holy Spirit necessarily is saying that to me, but I know from my reading and from my growing in life that that wisdom would say that's a bad idea to do that. Mm. So I don't need the Holy Spirit sometimes to say to me, don't invest your money there. You know, I, if godly wisdom would tell me that's a bad investment mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, don't hang out with that person. I don't need the Holy Spirit to say to me that person is bad for you. Yeah. You know, listen to their mouth. Listen, watch their life. They're a bad influence. Wisdom would teach me don't spend a lot of person, a lot of time with that person. Don't need the Spirit to actively tell me that. Mm-hmm. So this is just one way that the Holy Spirit passively works. And I say passive because... That the spirit prompted wisdom. The spirit prompted the, the wisdom literature. You know, in the book of James, the letter to James, he talks about the 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 work of the Holy Spirit in giving wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the verse like, for instance, James three seventeen says, "The wisdom that comes from God, from heaven, is first of all pure, peace loving, considerate." submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. The Holy Spirit's not mentioned, but these are all things that the Spirit brings yeah. as He works in our life in passive ways. So um, that gets to that question you asked originally, and it answers this question of what's another way that the Holy Spirit works? It's Absolutely. through godly wisdom. It's so interesting. The, on Thursday, we were um, in our Alpha program. It was mm-hmm. We were watching the video on who is the Holy Spirit. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was all ah, lined up nicely. Nice. And one of the questions that came out in our small group discussion was about the relationship between the leadership of the spirit and our conscience as Christians. Oh, good. And as you're talking about yeah. wisdom, I know wisdom and conscience are different. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you had planned to talk about conscience, but what is there, is there a relationship between sort of this learned wise response and our 
a sensitive conscience as mm-hmm. a Christian Definitely. and the work of the Spirit? And what's the interplay? Yeah, the, the word you use, is there a relationship? Yes, there is. Are they synonyms? No, they're not. Right. Um, and sometimes I honestly can't tell the difference between a conscience that has been formed in me through years of walking with God, through years of studying the Bible, or the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, or the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, because I've walked with God so many years, I, I honestly couldn't tell you, is that my conscience, is that the Spirit, or is it the wisdom of God? Does it really matter? It's mm-hmm. the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, the conscience uh, in a uh, just a, a regular human being, not a spiritual person, not a Christian, conscience is formed in us through moral norms Mm -hmm. through living in a culture where you know that is been shaped with a morality and so we live in a judeo-christian society and our ethics and our moral norms in america (laughs) that's hard to believe today but actually (laughs) were originally shaped by a judeo-christian ethic by the ten commandments Mm -hmm. by the word of god yeah and so even if it was a deistic faith, which is what many of our forefathers had, it was a faith informed and shaped by Bible, by Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of Western civilization was shaped by the Bible. And so a lot of the ethics, a lot of the morality came from that 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 field that um that um world and mm-hmm. so right and so you can have a person who's not a christian who doesn't even care about god and yet their conscience has been pricked that they know it's i shouldn't lie right i shouldn't steal i, I mean is that the holy spirit it might be it just might be their conscience too because we live in a culture now there literally are cultures where there is no conscience about stealing there is no conscience about uh, taking another person's wife or another person's husband. And so because that their conscience was not shaped by a Judeo-Christian ethic, right. a Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. norm. So, so a conscience, it mostly comes from the morality of the world that you live in. There's something inside of you going, that's not right. Yeah. Uh, now... Can the Holy Spirit speak through our conscience? Absolutely. Yes. And he sometimes does, but we don't want to make them synonyms. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, and that means there can be times where our conscience is not informed by the scriptures. And so we, we can have these moments where we're recognizing, I don't feel good about this. So for, for instance, it's really popular today. Um, and if you read the, um, uh, the state of theology, Mm -hmm. A vast, it might be the majority, if not like 40 something percent of evangelical Christians who would say it's immoral to, to evangelize, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's wrong to share your faith. Mm-hmm. And the idea there is that we want to be tolerant. We want to be, um, open to people. And so the best way to love people is to let them make their own decision. And so you don't want to right. disparage other worldviews by, by positing your own and, you know, proselytizing people. So people may feel weird they may feel conscientious or or have a you know their conscience may be saying yeah you know I, it's it's too uncomfortable or it's mm. too wrong for me to push my faith so they would say on someone yeah. and yet just as you mentioned in your sermon today that's a that's a a, a point of uh where we need to take captive that feeling and say hey now i don't know that that lines up with scripture right. i don't know that that lines up with the the example that Jesus gives exactly so it's 
And and that's dangerously close to what I think Paul, and is that, I, I can't remember this verse now, where Paul talks about our conscience being seared. Mm. So if you keep living in sin, you keep entertaining sin, you keep practicing sin, you your conscience gets seared. You're no longer sensitive to that sin. Mm. I think the same thing is happening in our culture with this elevating tolerance above the value of love and and even redefining love to be tolerance. Yeah. And so that's searing the conscience of some Christians uh, and other conscience-oriented people to, to, to believe the lie that tolerance is the highest value. Mm. And so when you keep living and trafficking in that world, you lose your ability to be wise. You lose your ability to pay attention to that conscience that may originally have been shaped by Judeo-Christian ethic. And of course, you lose your ability to hear the Holy Spirit because you're, you're perpetuating a lifestyle, a thinking, a, a, a way of living that is counter to the what the Holy Spirit is saying in your life. That's right. a dangerous place to be. Mm. But thankfully, um, <clears throat> that's how we all were apart uh, from the work amen, of the Spirit. Amen. And so we, last we were week, dead we, in our trespasses and sins. Yes, and with hearts of stone. Yes. Right. And and uh, the, so that no no heart is beyond the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, but I think a, a heart that has not yet been open to the spirit mm. is in better condition than a heart that was open to the spirit, but that now has been seared yes. by a life of sin. Yeah. I, 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 I absolutely we don't want to discount the work of the spirit. He can break through any heart. Right. Um, but there's a, di- there's a difference oof. between an inviting message and, you know, to people who have, have yet to hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the whole difficulty with the warning passages in Hebrews. Hebrews 6. Yes. You have the, there's a difference between not knowing Christ mm-hmm. and having tasted. And drunk. And, 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 uh, yes. and, then, and then going back on that. Yeah. You know? So there's, yes, for sure, there is a difference. But um, so so test number one is is it uh, is this sen- sense that I have that the spirit is speaking to me or is this uh, is this narrative is it in line with scripture or does it contradict mm-hmm. what God has clearly revealed in His Word? Second test uh, does it uh, is it in line with godly wisdom that has been accrued through watching other people's stories or through just living in in a culture impacted by the Word of God? Uh, or by our own reading ourselves, you right. know, the wisdom that comes from the Word of God and yep. our maturity. Okay, so that could brings us to a, a, another test, a, th- a third test, we might say, and um, that's the test of character, mm. specifically the character of God. Does this line up with God's character? Now, where do we see God's character? In God's Word. So you could say this is the same thing as number one, but it's not, Yeah, because... Um, the Word of God g- g- helps shape our understanding of the character of God. So, you know, this is actually the whole point of holiness. In Leviticus eleven forty four, the it says, "Be holy, because the Lord your God is holy. His character is holy." Yeah. Peter picks up on that in First Peter, quotes directly. You know, you should be holy because the Lord your God is holy. So, so I'm testing whether this. Prompting of this, of this that I have, this idea that I have, you know, this voice that I have in my heart and my spirit, you know, does that contradict the character of God? Is like, for instance, 
uh, one of the ways that we all see the work of the of the devil is that he is very pushy. He's very demanding. Um, he and this and that's not the way God's character is. God is not pushy. God's not <laughs> demanding. You know, he, he yeah. will say, "Be holy," but he—it's not like he's beating us up with a. You know, if if you're being pummeled, being hammered, that's probably—it's a good case an indication that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the voice of God mm-hmm. because God's gentle, and God is. Sometimes people like to say God's a gentleman. Um, uh, you know, remember that story from First Kings where. You know, Elijah was trying to hear from God, and you know, first there was this storm, and God was not in the storm. You know, then there was this big wind, and God was not in the wind. Then there was this gentle breeze, you know, and the guy was in the gentle. You know, yeah. and Jesus says, you know, you know, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, because I am gentle, and you know, humble of heart. Mm. So um, that's just one characteristic of God. But you know, there's all these attributes of God, all these characters, characteristics of God. Does what I'm being prompted to do, the idea that I have in my mind that I'm trying to figure out whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, is does it line up with the character of God? That's a very helpful test, you might say, very helpful way of of measuring, is this something I'm hearing from God? Yeah. Does it line up with his character? And also underscores the need to know intimately God and his does. character. Yes. Right? Because there's a difference from living with joy. I know what she's like, mm-hmm. and so I can notice behavior in her that's uncharacteristic mm-hmm. but if i just had read joy's biography or you, you know, know you know about her had cursory knowledge about joy right, right i could say well she's not singing right now so that seems to be out of character <laughs> but you know there's lots of times where she doesn't sing you know so yeah it's uh yeah absolutely here's another one um what you might call the test of clarity um hmm. um the Holy Spirit does not play games with us. He doesn't play cat and mouse like he gets his you know joy out of, well, let me just say a little things and see if you can figure it out. No, he, he, he will lead us. This, one of the marks of the Spirit is that he leads us. You know, And so um, he leads us with clarity. So if I mm-hmm. am just can't get clear, that might be that I'm not listening closely. Or it might be that this is not the spirit that's leading, that's, that's, that's speaking to me. It's just confusing. You know, Paul actually says when he's talking about the some of the services that are happening in the Corinthian church, he says, gosh, you know, these services are full of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. So because there's so much confusion, that's my, that I know automatically, Paul says, that what you're doing is not spiritual. It's not led by the spirit because there's all this confusion. God's not the author of confusion. He's using the test of clarity. Yeah, he's applying the test of, of, of clarity to the that situation. Mm. Um, now, as I have implied and may have even said, if I'm not good at hearing God, or I'm not mature, or I'm not paying attention, I might be confused about what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I want to be careful here. All by itself, and you know, the naked idea of confusion is not proof that I'm not hearing from God. It could be proof that I'm yeah. not used to listening or I'm not paying attention or I'm, or I have some ulterior motives that I'm mixing in. I mean, how many times, especially when we were young Christians, how many times did we try to persuade God to 
answer a prayer. It was all because we wanted it. Right. And so we tried to make it sound like, well, God's leading me. Yeah. No, he's not. You just want to do it so bad. But there's enough of you that wants to follow Jesus that you want to be able to say to people, well, God told me or God mm-hmm. led me. Come on, let's come clean. Yeah. You just want it done, and so you're trying to get God to, to you know, bless your plans. Yeah, <laughs> That's why you're confused. Yeah, there's a different, you know, if you know where all the billboards in town are that have the sentence that you're trying to hear, if you, if you intentionally drive past that billboard, right. it's like, okay, well, you're manufacturing a narrative. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the times in my life where I can look back and say that was clearly the leading of the spirit. It mm. was so clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about how I came to work at Church of the Open Door. There was a series of mm-hmm. four conversations mm-hmm. in one weekend yeah. that took me from I am a hundred percent being led into seminary full time. <laughs> I remember this. To I am a hundred percent being led into a, 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 a you know to receive a call into ministry. Yeah. It was night and day, yeah. and yeah. it was my heart was set against it in a sense Mm -hmm. until God softened my heart and Mm -hmm. turned. And, but it was, it was very, I I could tell as it was happening, I was like, Oh my gosh, God is changing my heart. He's putting these, you know, there's, there's all these things happening, all these conversations. Thank God that you were attentive because otherwise you'd be in Grand Rapids right now. I would, I would be in Grand Rapids (laughs) with no, with no job. Joy would be working full time. We would have two kids with no family in town. It would have been horrific. Horrible. I mean, and I'm sure God would have provided if I, you know, God's God is God and he's very good, but I'm so glad that he (laughs) made it clear. (laughs) Thank God. Um, Here's another one. Um, And this, this, this is really similar to what you're saying. The test of confirmation. Mm. Um, You know, I, I believe and this, this could, this is similar to clarity, uh, but I believe if God wants me to do something, he's going to make it clear. And part of that clarity is he's not going to just say something once and he's not going to say it again. He's going to confirm it. I'm going to get it confirmed in my spirit again and again. And and he's going to confirm it with other people. Sometimes this is so cool out of the blue, you know, someone will say something. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I just asked God about that this morning mm-hmm. or this morning, I thought I heard God saying, I want you to do this. And then this person says, again, quote unquote, out of the blue, is it out of the blue or is the Holy Spirit leading that person to confirm in your life how the Holy Spirit's trying to lead? This is a, this is a picture of the beauty of community. Mm-hmm. It's why we need each other. Uh, anytime a person characterizes themselves as I don't need anybody else to follow God or to hear from God, I am an isolated, I'm a lone ranger. I get concerned. Mm-hmm. Can God speak to you all by yourself? Oh, sure. But does God typically do that? No, he speaks in community. God created the church, the body of Christ. It's his idea. And Jesus indwells his body. And we are wise to lean into the, 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 the relationships, the godly relationships that are in the body of Christ, that are in the church, especially when we're trying to, quote unquote, get clear about what God is saying. Yeah. And this is a, this is a gift that I get concerned about when people, which I'm hearing more and more today, I don't need the church. Mm. I don't need to go to church. I don't need you. I can hear from God myself. Yeah. And yes, you can, but you're also more than likely to mishear 
if you're doing the Lone Ranger thing. And I think, you know, oh man, this is so true with big decisions. It can be true in small decisions, mm-hmm. but it can also be true in our study of the scriptures. Yes. And this is something we haven't yes. really talked about, but in, in Sunday school last week, I brought a big stack of books with me that I had consulted as I was studying. Mm-hmm. They didn't do the study for me, mm-hmm. but I, I brought them in and I said, Hey, I'm, I brought these in not to show you, you know, Clay smart cause he can read a big book, but to show you that I almost never, um, conclude a studying of a passage without bringing friends in mm-hmm. because e- even if they're dead friends who have written their <laughs> thoughts in books, they, I morbid. <laughs> They're, Clay, they're, Clay studies with dead friends. Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> but no, no mediums are involved. Okay, yeah. so it's not. But I, you know, I, I don't go into the scripture totally alone. And yeah. and oftentimes people who say I don't need the church, it's very often followed by because I have my Bible. Yeah. You know, it's it's me and my Bible and my coffee shop, and that's my church. That's my time to connect with God. And there, yes, there can be beautiful moments in coffee shops alone with the Bible. But as a general rule. Uh, when you study something and come up with something that nobody else has heard, you know, ever thought of or said, <laughs> be very careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then sometimes people, once they're saying that, they'll misquote John in his first letter. Mm-hmm. You know, you have no need for anyone to teach you for the Spirit of God. And, and, and that just sounds so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny. Who's saying that? A teacher. Yeah. Who then proceeds to teach? Uh, who proceeds to teach? So you know, so what John is saying there is, you know, the the he's, he's contrasting the false teachers. You don't need their false teaching because you already have the good teaching, the biblical teaching that right. I'm giving to you. That John right. would say. So no, no, he's not saying blanket. You don't need to have a teacher. It's just you know that, that verse gets quoted in these kind of conversations. Yeah. I don't need you. You know, I don't need anybody. I got the Spirit to teach me. Well, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. You, you are. You're. You're not acting wise. You're acting foolishly. Yeah. And you know, in the book that talks about wisdom and foolishness, it says you know, there's wisdom in many counselors. Mm-hmm. You know, so proverbs. So and and beyond that, I think it's. I mean, it's there's a tragedy in that attitude toward the church, because we live in a time when we can meet so freely. Mm. You know, it's it's yeah. Pentecost Sunday. It's also Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. And I don't take for granted at all the sacrifice that was made to Amen. allow us to be able to gather Amen. as the church. Amen. And there have been periods. I mean, the vast majority, so many Christians have lived in a time and a place where they could not gather. And uh, one such Christian was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, yeah. who writes a book called Life Together. Mm-hmm. And he uh, lived in Nazi Germany. I, we've we've talked about yeah, him on the have. podcast before, yeah. but you know he famously says that the physical presence of other Christians is a source of indispensable joy, yes. and I forget the other word, maybe um, comfort, encouragement, or yeah, comfort yeah. to 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 followers of Jesus. Yes. His point is that uh, how could we, you know it's it's ridiculous for us to say, yeah, you know, church is something that I you know I'll go once in a while, or I really don't need it. When uh, the day is probably coming when mm, we will boy. look back and, and wish that we had taken more advantage of the freedom that boy. we had to gather. Yeah. Amen. Well, there's a couple more. Um, there's the test of experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very good Wesleyan when I had, had down this path because, you know, we, we give 
uh, John Wesley credit for what we call the Wesleyan quadrilateral, mm-hmm. where in a similar kind of conversation, he talks about, you know, how do you know something? How can you test something? How do you come about knowledge? And you know, he talks about the, the role of scripture, first of all, tradition, how people interpreted scripture. Um, reason. Uh, reason. Mm-hmm. How, do, how are you thinking through this? And then experience. And so this is especially helpful for people who, you know, have walked with God for many years, or this is close to the confirmation, you know, the, the, the experience of other people, you know. Mm-hmm. And so maybe someone else is not coming to me and saying, you know, the God gave me this for you, or you know, someone just says something and I can hear that's a confirmation. It could be me going to them and saying, you know, I, I think... God is leading me to do this, but I'm just not sure. Good for you. Good for you for going to them. Yep. Does your experience of walking with God um, line up with that? And, and this overlaps into wisdom for sure. Yeah. Uh, overlaps into confirmation. But but you know, God wants to teach us through our and others' life experience. I used this word "fool" a couple of minutes ago. The foolish person is the one who does not learn from experience. Mm-hmm. They keep doing the same thing over and over, and they don't learn lessons. The wise person is the person who learns from experience, and the wisest person learns from experience of themselves and others. <laughs> and so God has led devout people for thousands of years. Yes. How arrogant if I can be very bold to say, I would want, I want to figure out how to hear from God and ignore all of that experience mm-hmm. of godly women and godly men and godly groups who are trying to hear from God. Yeah. So the experience, the, the test of experience is, is valuable. Absolutely. And this of course is the nature of the wisdom literature in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's that, it, that was its purpose is it's trying to capture these principles that have been helpful to God's people. <laughs> And the, the, this is something that can help you. The, the more you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, the better you get at listening mm-hmm. to the, Spirit, the voice of the Spirit. And the more that you obey the Holy Spirit, the better you get at listening to the Holy Spirit. And now you're building up your own bank of experience. Yeah, I mean, this is this 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 becomes a win win. The more you listen, the more you obey, the better you get at listening, the more experience you have. And now you're getting better and better right. at listening. Now you're living in that relationship we talked about today where you're not having to constantly stop and go, should I go left or right? right. Should I do this or not? God, yeah. lead me. I don't know what to do. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of that. There's a time to, and a place to stop and say, God, this is a really important moment. A big, a big decision. I want to make sure I'm hearing from you. And I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying that's not typically the way the Holy Spirit wants to lead. He wants mm-hmm. to, he wants us to be so in tune, so in, intimate and close in this relationship that all he has to do is whisper to us, just mm. a nuance of the Spirit, just a nudge of the Spirit. And I get it. I hear it. I don't have to stop and ask. He's nudging me. I'm paying attention. And I have a lifetime of these experiences of being nudged, prompted by the Spirit, and mm-hmm. I get better and better at, at hearing Him. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of stories in my own life where you're like, I okay, I, yes, you say yes, and you do something that's maybe uncomfortable, and then you see God come through mm-hmm. in awesome ways. Yeah. It's not every time, but, uh, yeah, it's, and, uh, 
this this idea of experience, as you've described it, it also is underscored in the way that the early Christians borrowed traditions from their uh, you know Jewish counterparts or their Jewish predecessors in having quote unquote elders. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not just, or maybe not even primarily, uh, when when it's being written up about in the early church an office it's part of part of it was in the jewish community mm. just some people who have more experience yes literally elders yep yep uh, you know people who are able to preside that, over bring experience to that word means bearded one in hebrew yeah oh yeah perfect so it's um so but in that case you know i would qualify yeah, and you're i think that you're you're an elder now clay <laughs> But That's, but not the way you're saying with the old, just old. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and hopefully a person who walks with God for many years. Exactly. Not just has wisdom mm-hmm. of the ages, but has wisdom of of God and the ages. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so that's. You know, it, it, that that became important in the early churches because they had this opportunity to have, hey, if you have questions, you, there are there are elders, there are people in your community mm-hmm. that you can go and talk to. Yes. Uh, and I know I felt so blessed with the the men and women that God has put in my life that I've gotten to bounce mm. ideas off of and having mentors, you know, that's yeah. a similar idea, but anyhow, how, how many, so we're up to five tests. Uh, no, I think that we've got six. Okay. Six tests, maybe seven. Um, there's two more. Okay, great. Um, so this next one is the test of humility. Mm. Um, this is just a, um, a way of just holding loosely I'm always a little uncomfortable when I when I meet a person who constantly is walking around saying, God told me, God told me, God said to me, God said to me. Now, I, that can be beautiful. It can be a picture of a person who has a very intimate, close, um, vibrant, ongoing relationship with God. But sometimes when I hear people talk like that all the time, God told me, God told me, I'm like, you know, I don't think it's like the, the word inconceivable <laughs> in the in the uh, movie Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I, you keep using that phrase. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I think, you know, you have an agenda mm-hmm. and you have a plan for your life, but you just keep throwing God's name in there. Again, mm-hmm. I want to be careful. I'm not saying that always happens, but I'm much more comfortable with things like I'm sensing the Lord saying, or I think the Lord said, uh, just to be a little humble. Don't don't think that everything that you get in your mind is God, mm. and don't be afraid of saying God told me. But don't don't keep throwing that phrase around. Everything yeah. is God told me. God said. Um, be careful. You can mishear from God. Be humble. And so, you know, if I'm helping somebody else test whether they're hearing from God, and I sense a little bit of that arrogance, you know, I'm like I might want to just say to them, you know what. Um, I'm beginning to question whether you've heard from God on this because of the way that you're talking about it. There seems to be a lack of humility here. Mm. And again, this is, there's only two things that Jesus said about himself. I am humble and I am gentle of heart. Humility is always the mark of a person who's like Jesus. And the spirit himself, we, we said he's the shy member of the Trinity you know, there's a, there's a humility there. And so if you're being led by the Spirit, there should be some humility there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this shows up, I see sometimes in preachers who feel like they're, only their interpretation is the right one. You know, you have to believe what I believe, and you're wrong if you're not tracking with me. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just a little <laughs> uncomfortable with that. You know, <laughs> you know you're confident, 
But has your confidence turned to cockiness and to mm. arrogance? Because I don't see any humility here. And that's one of the marks of Jesus. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's so easy to have a self-confirming bias. I mean, yeah. every one of us does, mm-hmm. and that's, that should give us pause. You know, I, just like you said, there, there are plenty of people throughout history who have been confident that God told them to do something and it was, they were wrong. Mm-hmm flat out wrong. Yeah. So the confidence is not always the mark of the confirmation. Um, and then there's, there's the last one. And that is what I call the test of interpretation. Um, and wh- what I'm doing here is not necessarily talking about interpreting the Bible in, in, in necessarily, but I'm, I'm interpreting this quote unquote word I'm getting from God or this prompting, this this sense that I'm getting from God. Mm. Um, and w- the way I want to talk about this is is out of Acts chapter 20, where we have this thing called a, a prophet. His name is Agabus. And there's a gift of prophecy where the Holy Spirit gives a person um, a word from God. And it's just, it's like, wow. You know, he just dropped that word right in your spirit, uh, right in your mind, and you said it, and it was right. Um, there's some of this working in the gift of preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit is hopefully, you know, prompting things that you're saying. So you hear someone says to you, well, let's go back to the passage, Acts 20. This prophet Agabus comes to Paul and says, the, the Spirit says, the owner of this belt will be bound in Jerusalem. And it's a word of prophecy. Okay, so so that that's that's a word from the Spirit. That's something the Spirit said. Um, then right after that, some people said, Well, then if that's true, Agabus, then let's keep Paul from going to Jerusalem. Right. Because we've heard from God, he's gonna be bound. That's not a good thing. So they blurred the revelation you know, in this case from a prophet, or it might be a revelation from the Word of God, Mm -hmm. because the Word of God is revelation, they've blurred a word from God, from the Holy Spirit, with the interpretation and the application of it. So so since God has spoken, the owner of this bell is going to go to Jerusalem, then don't go to Jerusalem so you don't get bound. Then you have Paul's interpretation. He says, whoa, whoa, time out. You, just because Agabus said that doesn't mean that I should interpret it as don't go, because God's already told me you're going to be bound in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to die for Jesus. So the, Paul showed great wisdom, and he separated the revelation from the interpretation, yeah. which then affected how he applied it. Right. So this the test of interpretation is saying, okay, I may be hearing something from God, but does that mean... I understand how to interpret and how to apply it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one time hearing a word from the Lord where it was the word transition. You know, there's going to be a transition. And so I understood that as I need to leave that church that I was pastoring. And God was not saying, telling me to leave at that time. Uh, I was supposed to be transitioning to a, a different role. Mm-hmm. And so I heard from God, but 
the interpretation was wrong. So, you know, I think, you know, maybe Moses and Joseph are great examples of this. God spoke to Joseph in some dreams and showed him, you know, your brothers are going to bow down to you and, and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And Joseph goes, okay, I got it. And he, and he just took off and started spouting that, that vision or Moses. God says to him, you're going to, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. Yeah. Did he hear from God? Yes. But then he interpreted it wrong and he went out and tried to make it happen that day and ended up killing an Egyptian. Right. His interpretation was wrong. He didn't practice the test of interpretation and the test of application. So that's what I'm getting at with that concept. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a, and there's more, there are more yeah. tests and more ways of knowing, but those are some of the things that I've used over the years to help me as I'm trying to hear, is this God? Is it my own mind? Cause I have mm-hmm. a very active imagination. You know, is this, is this a, a thought that I read in a book sometime yeah. or God forbid, is this actually Satan who's trying to deceive me and trick me? Mm-hmm. I need clarity. Yeah. And yeah. so these are some things that I've helped me and helped many others. And and I'm sure we've mentioned this throughout, but maybe one, one last one that in, in a lot of ways summarizes everything that we've said is, is this pointing me in a direction of becoming more like Jesus? Exactly. You know, you can, sometimes that's, that's the character in hindsight. Yeah. That's the character one. Is this, is this a character of God reflecting yes, the character of God? Absolutely. Yeah. But I, and another way people talk about that is what fruit is this producing? Is mm-hmm. this producing yeah. the fruit of the spirit in my life? But yeah. I've always found that helpful to where, could, because even when there are things that may be borderline, uh, where it's, it's hard, it's really hard one way or the other. You can ask it. Well, is this is this helping me toward uh, you know, move toward Jesus, or is it not? Yeah, that's uh, a that question. The, the way you phrase it, or the character of God, is so important um, because it's almost like the most important test. Even even more important than the scripture. You know, there's the old mm-hmm. story, and I don't know whether this is legend or whether this is true about a person who says, you know, hey, I, whenever I need need to know what God said, I just open my Bible and I just put my finger in the Bible and wherever it points, that's what I do. And so this guy, as the story goes, you know, so let's do that. So they open up the Bible. He puts his, closes his eyes, puts out his finger and it says, and Judas went out and hung himself. <laughs> like, well, I don't think we're supposed to do that. So he closes the Bible and then he opens it again, does it again, points his finger to a, t- to, he opens his eyes and it says, go and do likewise. <laughs> so, you know, these are both biblical phrases, you know, yeah. this is the Bible, mm-hmm. but he's misusing the Bible, yeah. you know? So, so again, like we said, Satan can quote the Bible. You can misuse the Bible. So I'm not trying to, to discount the Bible. I'm just saying that even the Bible you know, you ha- has to be interpreted and you have to use mm-hmm. wisdom and yeah. you, you can't just say it's in the Bible. Therefore I should do it. Right. There are, there are a lot of passages <laughs> we read this week in our devotions that you should not try that with, right? You should <laughs> yeah. never be, Oh gosh. Say, I'm going to open up the book of judges and whatever no, I see. Oh no, yeah. of all books, yeah. but yeah. there's a couple places, you know, but yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so this, this learning to hear from the spirit, of course, as we've been saying all along, it, it's a, it's a part of our intimacy with God, our right? Relationship, yeah. And and I think I don't want to move before me before we close out here. I don't want to move past the fact that God is a God who speaks, mm-hmm. and how amazing that is. God, we we don't. God does not owe us speech. Mm-hmm. He does not owe us yes. leading, and yet He is delighted to walk with us. Yeah. 
And uh, that's a beautiful thing. And so I, my is. prayer is that these these tests are helpful to me, helpful to you know all those who are tuning in to, to listen, because uh, we face very difficult circumstances. We face very hard decisions yeah. in life. Uh, and um, and we want to honor God, uh, which is beautiful. And God wants us to honor Him, and so He uh, He wants to help us. He's not like you said earlier. He's not trying to play a game with us. Yeah. And, and let, me, let me add this. Um, I sometimes will say to people who are really struggling, I I, I don't I don't have clarity from God on this. I don't know what I should do. Is God toying with me? Why is He not telling me? And I don't, I'm just like paralyzed. I don't know what to do. And I'll mm. say something like this. If you really want to know God's will and do it, if you really want to hear from God, you can't miss what God is saying. And they're like, what? And, and hear how I'm saying this. If you're just, you know, wanting a quick fix, then you might misunderstand what God is saying. You might mm-hmm. mishear. But if you're if you're, you know, what is the, pro- the writer of the proverb? What does Solomon say to his son? If you pursue it with diligence, if you seek for it as treasure, yeah. you know, if you really want to hear from God, you will to go through these tests, read the scriptures, listen to him, wait on him, pause, go out in a solitary place like Jesus and mm-hmm. listen, give God a chance to speak. But if you really want to hear from God, you can't miss. He'll lead you. And it may not be in the voice and the active, in the clear as a bell, sign in the sky kind of way, mm. but it might be a passive way. It might be quietly, but the person who is diligently seeking God, diligently wants to hear from God to obey God, they cannot be misled. God will lead them. It's just how will he do it? Mm. What I'm concerned about is the person who honestly doesn't really want to walk with God. They just want a quick fix. Tell me what to do now, Jim. That's why, we, isn't that why we hired you as a pastor to tell us what to do? Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, what's, what's God saying? You know, I'm more of a, more of a magician, you know, or some, you know, witch doctor in a tribe, you know, that, than mm-hmm. I am a man of God. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not saying don't come to me and ask me questions about God. I'm just saying that God will reveal mm-hmm. to those that's what Paul was saying in Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 2. God will reveal these things to the people who are seeking him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up this conversation. And we're so thankful for any of you who were joining us, maybe for the first time. Yeah. And uh, if you enjoyed it, go ahead and uh, subscribe. We, we release these episodes every week. And if you, uh, if you enjoy the ministry that we do here with the Cutting Room Floor podcast, would you let us know by dropping a five-star review, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you're mm-hmm. uh, listening that, that just helps us to know that uh, the Lord is is using this to minister to folks. So, and, and then of course, if you're as you're listening to sermons, if you've got questions that come up, we want to bring you into this conversation as much as possible. That's mm-hmm. the heart behind this podcast, mm-hmm. and so we would love to be able to respond to your questions. And you can uh, send them to us by uh, emailing them to podcast at opendoor.tv. And uh, we, we'd love to see it, and we'll continue the conversation once again <laughs> next week. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. 
And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.